Good morning, church. Thank you so much for being in our first service today. We are at your service, and we're so glad you decided to come to church this morning. And uh, we'll do our official greeting and welcome of our uh, visitors at the end of the service. But we just want you to know that you are so welcome here today. And uh, I trust that you've already had an encounter with God in the person of the Holy Spirit and that you continue to experience that as we dig into the Word of God this morning. Well, we started a new series last week. Myself and Mandy were in Joburg at one of our churches there. We had a great time, uh, but we missed home. There's nothing like home. Can you say amen? You know you've got a good home and you know you've had a good holiday when you can't wait to get back. Amen. And so we couldn't wait to get back to our family and to just be here this morning. And so we started a series for this Christmas season called Emmanuel, God with us. We're going to continue this morning and today we're looking at because God is with us, we can have a thankful heart. And so we dedicated today to be a thanksgiving service. So maybe you've come unprepared, we'll, we'll show you how you can be part of that later on. And we're just giving thanks today in everything we do and in everything we are. We are so grateful today that God has protected us and brought us to this place today. Can you say amen? Look at the person next to you and say, you still have a chance. Yeah, you're breathing, aren't you? Amen. And if you're breathing, there's hope. So we've declared today a, a day of thanksgiving to the Lord because the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. How you know forever is a long time? So turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. It's our text scripture. And uh, let me introduce to you today uh, the subject matter. It says, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Please remember that. Saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which translated is God with us. Look at the person next to you and say, God is with you. If it looks like they don't believe it, slap them. No, don't do that, please. Maybe later. All right. So let's remember this morning. Thankfulness flows from a heart that is blessed because it recognizes and appreciates where they are or who they are or what they've come through. So thanksgiving flows from a heart that recognizes they are blessed for whatever reason. Unthankfulness flows from the heart. And it flows from the heart of those who continually look at their circumstances and say, why am I here? What am I doing? And why hasn't it worked out the way I wanted it to? Because how you know, circumstances can speak loud to us sometimes. And it can drag us into the pit of unthankfulness. And so we walk around feeling like we've been shortchanged. Have any of you ever felt like that? We'll talk, about, we'll talk about that later. So firstly, remember this morning, thankfulness or unthankfulness is a heart condition. And because it's a heart condition, it can become an attitude. And what is an attitude? An attitude 
is the way I look at life and the way I see things. And when it becomes an attitude, it starts to dictate to every area of my life. It starts to control areas of my life, and it causes me to live in a place where my lifestyle is one of complaining. And that's not good for you. Because I want you to know, when you live that kind of a lifestyle, nothing is ever enough, nothing is ever good enough, nobody's ever good enough, and you always feel like you're on the back foot. And I want to encourage you today, God does not want you to live like that. Because a life of thankfulness is a life of power. A life of thankfulness keeps you on your front foot and it causes you, even in the most difficult circumstance, to stay positive and keep your hope alive. And when your hope is alive, your faith can work and God can move in your situation. Can someone say amen this morning? So there's a power that comes from a lifestyle of gratitude. Now remember I said, visit, remember that first part of the scripture? It says, so that it might be fulfilled what God spoke through the prophet. Let's just turn to Isaiah 7, verse 14. Now, please bear in mind, this is 700 years before Jesus is born. 700 years. Isaiah is on the earth, and by the Spirit of God, he prophesies here in Isaiah seven fourteen, and he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Fast forward 700 years, and we see Jesus being born. We see this prophecy being fulfilled. Now, here's the interesting thing. You would think that the nation of Israel, especially the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the high priest, would have recognized what was happening because they studied the Bible. They knew the word of God. As a matter of fact, you'll see later, they actually quote this verse to King Herod. And yet they didn't recognize that the son that was prophesied 700 years ago was actually being born right in front of their eyes. And you know why? Because they become unthankful. They didn't appreciate the covenant that God had given them, and they were trying to live it by the law in their own strength. And when that happens, it always drags you down. They didn't recognize they were living in one of the most awesome times of their lives. You see, our hearts can harden, and we can even become cynical when we live a life of unthankfulness. Smile at the person next to you and say, I'm so grateful you're sitting next to me. I know if you're fighting with your wife or husband, that's a real difficult task, but just smile. No one will know you're putting it on. You know what they say, fake it till you make it. I like to say this, faith it till you make it. That's way better, amen? So, here's the interesting thing. Here we have the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. We have studied, qualified high priests, Pharisees, Sadducees, and, and so many people around them. And yet it took an unbeliever, and listen, not just an unbeliever, a magician. You know, you get unbelievers and then you get those who are idolaters. They, they worship other gods. The Magi recognized this moment. 
And they embraced this moment. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, and we'll look at it. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the earth, from the east, they are known as Magi, the Magi, came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. And what have we done? We've come to worship him. Wow. So the Magi who were, they read the stars, they, they worshipped the moon, they, they were idolaters, yet they recognized there's something special about this, God is doing something, and they were informed because of their hearts that this was a significant moment in history. And they came and said, listen, where is Jesus? We want to worship him. The word worship here is the Greek word proskuneo. It actually means to crouch or to prostrate before someone in order to give them thanks and honor. It actually gives you the picture of a dog licking its owner out of fondness and appreciation. I know that's quite a, quite a weird analogy, but think about it. I mean, when I get home later, all three of my dogs run downstairs and they lick me and they are so happy to see me. And I feel so good because sometimes even my own church don't do that. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. <laughs> All right, it's a picture of humility. It's a picture of coming with a declaration that God, you are holy and I'm not. God, you are merciful and I'm the recipient. God, I'm so grateful that you saved me and that you loved me and that you gave Jesus for me. Amen? Amen. And so we see that it's a posture of the heart. Listen, focused on Jesus, not a false humility. You know, like you've got an identity crisis or, or you don't know who you really are or you feel inferior. No, 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 no. You're coming with an attitude of humility because you recognize who God is. And you want to thank Him and you want to serve Him all the days of your life. These men were wise because they came for the right reason. They came to worship Jesus, not to get something from Him. And I want you to know today, I want to encourage you this morning. They went to every length to make sure that they would be in the right place at the right time so that they could honor the coming king. And I want to encourage you with this. How many you know we live in a world today where it's become popular to call yourself a Christian? Hello? I mean, you just have to watch TV and you'll and you find this. People today don't love Jesus, but they want to use him. Politicians use Jesus to get votes. Business leaders use Jesus to get blessings. Marketers use Jesus to get their products sold. People use Jesus for so many selfish reasons. But I want to just say this to you. Jesus is not a vending machine. He's not an ATM. He is the Lord and Savior of the universe. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we need to firstly come with an attitude of reverence and love for Him and serve Him for who He is and not for what He gives us. Can I please have a loud amen this morning? Now listen, as Christ followers, God is not there for your every whim and your every wish. Yes, He's your Savior. Yes, He made us righteous. Yes, He wants you to enjoy the promises. Yes, He wants you to be successful. Yes, He wants you to be all of that. But I want you to know, you need to realize this morning, He's your Lord. 
And he's the one who gets, you, gets to tell you what you should do and shouldn't do. And I want to advise you this morning as your pastor, when you hear something you should do, you should do it. And when you hear something you shouldn't do, you shouldn't do it. Because God didn't put it there for his benefit, it's there for yours and my benefit. Look at the person next to you and say, oh, pastor's on fire this morning. So the point I'm trying to make is there needs to be a, a thankfulness in our hearts. That regardless of where we are, what we're facing, what we're going through, how good or how bad it is at the moment, God is still God. He is still our Lord and we have an attitude and a reason to be thankful. Because no matter what happens, church, if you're born again, you're going to live for eternity in the presence. You're going to experience the glory of God and you're going to worship Him for all eternity. You might as well start practicing now. And you see... Praise and worship this morning, you'll see today, involves every aspect of our lives. You know, you don't come to church on a Sunday so you can tick it off your to-do list and say, well, I've done my duty as a Christian, I'm going to hang that up on the wall and just go live my life normally. Well, you're welcome to do that, but you're not going to maximize who God is in your life if you don't serve Him with everything. Now, let's look at the Magi. The Magi came with gratitude, honor, and respect to give Jesus their best, not their leftovers. Have a look at Matthew 2, verse 9 to 11. It says, When they heard the king, they departed and behold a star, which they had seen in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Now, Think about this strange thing. These are magi. They are wealthy people. All right? Firstly, in, in Eastern religion and culture, you never mention the baby before the mother. Disrespectful. And yet here, it says they came in and they saw the child. They didn't even recognize the mother, not out of disrespect, but out of respect for who Jesus was. Number two, think about this, walking in, seeing a baby, falling down on your knees and worshiping the baby. They understood the significance of the moment. And listen, they didn't just fall down and worship, it says, and then they opened their treasures and presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Listen, they actually came with specific gifts of celebration and thanksgiving. Let's just go through it quickly. Number one, gold is a symbol of deity and of glory. And it speaks about the shining perfection and divinity of Jesus. When they brought that gift, gold was known as a gift you would give to kings. So they were coming and they were making a declaration that Jesus is our king. Number two, they brought frankincense. Frankincense is an ointment or a perfume. And so it suggests the fragrance of Jesus' life, which would be sinless perfection that he would lay down for the salvation of mankind. Frankincense would be used in ceremonies, worshipping in the temple. And so as they came with this frankincense, they were bringing their gifts and declaring that this baby Jesus was not just the king, but he was God and therefore worthy of all their worship. Wow. Number three, they bought myrrh. This is an interesting one because myrrh is a spice they would use. It was a bitter herb. And it speaks of the sufferings that Christ would endure for the sins of the world. 
So each of the gifts they bought had meaning and significance and power. You see, myrrh was used to embalm the dead. <laughs> Rather an unusual gift to give to a baby. Here you are, here's what you're going to use when you die. No, they were prophetically declaring that this baby would live a sinless life, he'd become the king of kings, and he would lay down his life and pay the price for the sins of mankind. So they were coming with a prophetic declaration of thanksgiving and praise for what Jesus would do in fulfillment of Scripture. You see, when you live an unthankful life, it causes your heart to become dull, dim, or hardened. And what happens is you can miss the truth that writes, that's right in front of you. You can miss the significance of the people that God has put in your lives. You can miss the significance that even in a hard moment, God can give you an experience of joy and peace and trust that can lift you from where you are and take you to where you need to be. You see, when you're dull or dim or hardened in heart, you don't hear the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And when you don't hear the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you can't be in the right place at the right time. So thankfulness is so important to us today, church. It empowers us and it prevents the enemy from distracting us from who God wants us to be and where God wants us to be. Are you glad you came to church this morning? Look at the person next to you. Say, this is amazing. And we're only halfway. Where does the time go? You know, when I'm at CrossFit, the time goes so slowly. And when I get up to preach, it goes so fast. Anyway, that's got nothing to do with anything. Matthew 2. Have a look at this, verse 3 and 8. We're going back a little bit in the story. But when Herod the king heard... He was greatly troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Now listen, again, Jerusalem should have been celebrating. Prophecy of 700 years and multiple confirmations were suddenly being fulfilled, and here they are troubled. And he had gathered all the chief priests, all the scribes, and all the people together, and he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. Listen, and they said, they knew exactly where he was going to be born. They said to him, it is written by the prophet in Bethlehem of Judea, and thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come the ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. So listen, they understood the scripture, they knew the scripture, but they didn't recognize. God was sending the person, the Messiah, that they'd been waiting for, for all of their history. And it says here that Herod then secretly called the wise men to himself and determined what time the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may too come and worship him. You know, Herod had no intention of worshiping, no intention of giving thanks. He wanted to kill the baby. And so we've got to guard our hearts from false, insincere thanksgiving. We need to protect our hearts from just going through the motions and just doing it because that's what I've got to do. I love what Ben said this morning, Pastor Ben. He said, you don't pay God, you worship God. Amen? You bring your sacrifice, you bring your gifts, you bring your heart and your worship to serve Him. So thankfulness this morning keeps our heart tender and sensitive before God. 
And you know what? It's the will of God for us to live thankful lives, and therefore it empowers our faith. Philippians 4.4, I'll read it out the Passion Translation. It says this, Be cheerful with joyous celebration. In every season of life, let your joy overflow. That's the King James. The next one is the Passion Translation. Look what it says. In every season of life, let your joy overflow, for you are united with the Anointed One. Isn't that beautiful? You know, it's interesting that two verses later, Paul writes this. He says, In everything... Be anxious for nothing, but with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So a thankful heart empowers your prayers and it welcomes Christ into your circumstances. Isn't that powerful? So here's the amazing thing. All this is great and isn't it fantastic that finally, even the scientists and the medical profession have caught up with the Bible. I love it. When the scientists and medical profession realize, oh, wow. The Bible's true. And they've discovered that thankfulness has huge benefits for our health and for our souls. Let me just give you five benefits of gratitude. They're all biblical, but they've been scientifically and medically proven. I'm not going to take time to expound on them. You can go study. There's so much research available, but this is really interesting. Number one, this is what the scientists and medical profession have determined. Number one, grateful people are generally much happier people. Grateful people are generally much happier. And this is what they said. They don't just have a happiness that's controlled by circumstances. They have something deeper. We know what it is. It's called joy. Amen? Because they realize when you live a thankfulness in your heart, it causes you to have a different language and outlook on your life. As a matter of fact, one neuroscientist quoted this. He said, if you've forgotten the language of gratitude, then you'll never be on speaking terms with happiness. Isn't that interesting? Number two, the second benefit of thankfulness this morning, you're going to love this one. Grateful people sleep better. And you know, Proverbs says this, God blesses his beloved with peaceful rest. Woo! Look at the person next to you, say, woo! Listen, researchers at the University of Manchester conducted a study on how gratitude influences sleep. The study group comprised of 186 men, 215 women of all different ages. 40% of them were experiencing sleep disorders. And they discovered those who had attitudes of gratitude, those who were thankful, started to change their sleep patterns and had a much better sleep experience. One neuroscientist, Wayne Dyer, said this, if you focus on what you are grateful for before you go to sleep, then that's probably what you'll marinate in for the rest of the night. Don't you love that? What are you going to marinate in tonight? Gratitude will do way much better for you than unthankfulness. Number C, or number three. The third benefit of thankfulness is grateful people are healthier and have a better well-being. 
The Greater Good magazine published an article called A Thanks a Day Keeps the Doctor Away, detailing data captured in the response to the launch of a gratitude journal. And what they found was that participants who kept an online gratitude journal for just two weeks had a way happier disposition and reported having a far more positive experience in life. They were happier, they were more inspired, and they were easier to love. They had less negative experiences like being bored, feeling discouraged, or feeling sad. Number four, the fourth benefit of gratitude this morning is, listen to this, grateful people have way better relationships. Think about it. Would you rather spend the day with a grumbling complainer? Please, if you're sitting next to your wife, don't say, I already do that. Or would you rather spend it with someone who is thankful and positive? Thank you. Amen. Amen. There are many studies in this arena that have been conducted. And in general, couples who have more gratitude moments display a far higher appreciation for their relationship. And they say that in a partnership, they are way more satisfied. Dr. John Goodman, who is a relationship guru and a psychologist, said this, I can predict in just three minutes with 90% accuracy which marriages are likely to succeed or fail. His formula is simple. For every negative encounter, that is a complaint, a put down, an angry exchange or a frown, there would need to be five positive ones to counteract the one negative one. Amen? You know what's way easier? Just cut out the negative ones. Number five. The fifth benefit of being a grateful and thankful person is he has the, the final scientifically proved, medically proved, biblical reason. Grateful people are way more resilient than those who aren't. Resiliency is the ability to effectively deal with the ebbs and flows of daily living and to recover swiftly from the challenges or stressful events. It's been proven that grateful people have a far quicker and better recovery rate and are better equipped to bounce back from difficulty and stressful situations because thankfulness creates hope and faith. Isn't that amazing? So, Hopefully that has motivated us today to be thankful people. Can you say amen? But there's more. In the last 10 minutes and 42 seconds, I want you to know, in the parallel of this story, and this is where it really hit home for me, in the parallel of the story in Luke chapter 1, we find a very powerful verse surrounded by the story that we've been reading. And it says in verse 33, that he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And then it says this, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Church, listen, we are not dealing with today and tomorrow and next year. We are dealing with eternity. And listen to me, God is with us forever. That tells me this, 
thankfulness does not just impact my life on a soulish level, on an emotional level. Listen, thankfulness is a spiritual law of success. And it's so important that you don't waste this moment or any moment living in fear or allowing your life to be drawn away and realize today that you have every reason to be thankful because God is in you and He's with you. If you're born again, if you're not born again, that can all change this morning when you give your life to Jesus. Can you say amen? And you know what? You and I have every reason no matter what's going on in your life today, to be thankful. And that's the power of God with us. Because, you see, if you're born again, it doesn't matter. Now, it does matter what happens on this life because God wants us to live purposeful. Can you say amen? But in this sense, even if things go rotten and you end up losing your life, you graduate to your real home. And church, we've got to believe today Jesus is coming back for us. Amen. And he's coming sooner than you think. Hallelujah. So live every day with thankfulness. You see, in other words, there's a huge spiritual dimension to thankfulness. And it carries power and significance in your life. Let's look at a few stories as we close this morning. The first one is the story of the ten lepers. Do you know the story of the ten lepers? Let me give you the background. Jesus is busy preaching uh, in the areas where he preached and 10 lepers come to him and they approach him and they say, Master, please have mercy on us. And Jesus says, listen, go show yourselves to the priests and as they go, they are made whole. Well, it doesn't say they're made whole. It says as they go, they were cleansed. All right? In other words, they received their healing. Now listen to what happens in Luke 17, verse 16 and 17. And one man returned and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he, and he was a Samaritan. Listen to Jesus' response. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Again, a picture. The nation of Israel who had every reason to be thankful because they were in covenant with God. Not one of them returned to give thanks, but the foreigner returned. And look what happens. But there were nine. Where, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. You go read that in the King James. It says, Your faith has made you whole. Listen, the nine got their healing, the one got his healing and wholeness. Spiritual significance. Number two, Jesus attributed his thankfulness to faith. He didn't say your thankful heart made you well. He said your faith made you well. In other words, thankfulness is an action of your faith. When you live a thankful life, you are exercising your faith that your belief, your trust, your hope is in God and not in man, not in your circumstance. Can you say amen? And I want you to know it is so powerful. All the, leopard, all the lepers were healed because God is good. And he's always good. But I want you to know there's a next level of success and prosperity that comes when you're a person who lives with thankfulness. Now church, I'm not talking about insincere. 
I'm not talking about just thinking, you know, now I've got to do this, so I'm going to do it. I'm talking about it, learning to let it flow from your heart, from your being. Can you say amen? A true, genuine thankfulness. Now, here's what else you learn from this story. It's not easy to be thankful in this world we live. As a matter of fact, only one in ten get it right. (laughs) That's not a great statistic. Can you say amen? And I want to encourage us. Let's be a church that lives thankful lives. All right? And you'll see why in a moment because there's way more just than that. Number two. The results are amazing. And I want to encourage you to be intentional and deliberate about being thankful. Persevere in doing this because the benefits are great. It's not easy, but the benefits are great. So here's a few things. Number one, let's be deliberate. Giving thanks for everything isn't always realistic. I mean, I had a few things happen to me this week. I was not thankful for them. But I could be thankful in them. Amen? And there's a difference. I'm not thankful for everything. I'm not thankful when the enemy attacks. I'm not thankful when things go wrong in my life. But I can be thankful in that situation because it keeps my faith alive. It keeps my heart sensitive to the things of God. So I want to encourage you today. It's okay to acknowledge difficulty without complaining. It's okay to be realistic and say, you know, I'm struggling with this at the moment. But praise God, I'm going to get through it. Let me give you an example. Let's say we have a party and we have over 20 friends and we bra and we have a good time and we celebrate. How do you know all the friends leave and then the kitchen needs to be cleaned and the house needs to be tidied and now it's 11 o'clock at night and how do you know you don't feel like it? At that moment you don't feel thankful. So you can say, you know what, I don't feel like doing this but I'm certainly glad I got to spend some joyful hours with my family. Can you see how you can switch it? And I want you to know that David was a master at this. Have you ever read the Psalms? It actually sounds like David was a schizophrenic. No, I mean nicely. He's a beautiful guy. I want to meet him one day and I don't want him to hit me. But think about it. One minute he's like, God, where are you? You never come through for me. My enemies are overtaking me. God, what is wrong with you? And then the next minute he's like, God, I worship you. You're so amazing. Lord, you're the God of the breakthrough. You know what? He was real. In those moments he was expressing how he felt. He was expressing that he was struggling. But he released that and then became praiseful and thankful to say, God, in spite of that, I know who you really are. I know that you're a good God. I know that you'll come through for me. Can you say amen? So be deliberate this morning. Number two, put gratitude into practice, not just with God, but with those around you. Thankfulness is not just about the good stuff. It takes practice. It takes prayer. And it takes positioning yourself and saying, I'm going to be a person who is determined. James 1 says, count it all joy when you are enveloped by circumstances and trials. For the trying of your faith will work patience. So being thankful will support your patience during difficulty. You see, thankfulness is about becoming mature and taking responsibility for your life. Think about Paul and Silas. Remember Paul and Silas in Acts 16? I mean, they had gone to preach the gospel. They were doing good things. They were witnessing. They were praying for the sick. They were doing great things. And guess what? They get in prison. They get beaten. And they get locked in prison. Their arms in stocks. And it says in Acts 16.25, at midnight. Say at midnight. 
Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Listen to this. And the prisoners were listening to them. And you know what? An earthquake hit. I don't know if it was an earthquake or if God and the angels started tapping their feet and they're saying, look, this is cool music, man. When God taps his feet, the whole earth shakes. And the prison broke open. The, 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 the manager of the prison wanted to run away. And Paul said, no, no one has escaped. Listen, have you ever heard of a, br- a prison being broken open and no one runs away? This was supernatural. Because God's presence was there because of their thankfulness. And many people got saved that day. You see, when you live a thankful life, it's, it's the best way to shine your light. When you go through the same things that everyone else goes through, but you remain thankful, there's a testimony there that glorifies God. There's a power there that honors God, despite what you're going through. And so this morning, I want to encourage you. You know, as you read in Matthew 2.9, it says, uh, in, in the Passion Translation, it says, And on their way to Bethlehem, the same star that had been in the east suddenly reappeared. Amazed, they watched it as it went ahead of them and stopped directly over the place where the child was. You know what I really believe? We know the child was Jesus, the son of the living God. But you know something? I believe the star represents the Holy Spirit. Because how you know it's the Holy Spirit who goes before us and guides us to where we need to be. He brings us into the presence of Christ and he brings us to a place where no matter what we're going through, we can still come with a heart of thanksgiving and praise and we can worship him. You see, the world has to strive to be thankful, but for you and I, it flows out of our hearts because of Jesus. Because we know today we are loved, we are highly favored, we are God's children. Can you say amen? And I want to encourage you today, make a decision that from today, you're going to be a thankful person. Can you say amen?